Good morning and welcome to the Cambridge Vineyard Sunday service, October 17th, a beautiful day. Um, and I hope you are able to enjoy it at some point this morning. It's great to have everyone who is joining with us online today. Welcome. And for those who it's maybe during the week or you're listening to it, uh, you're not viewing it, uh, welcome and good to have you with us. I hope your week has been, has been good. Uh, we now, we've gone through Thanksgiving and now we're into a new season and it's, it's not long until, you know, we'll be approaching Advent season and into the winter months. <laughs> I know that's hard to hear, but uh, I actually think it's a blessing that we here in, in, in the uh, area we live in the globe, we get to experience these four different seasons. I think that's, I think, I think that's sort of good. You know, would I be adverse to warm, sunny weather year-round? Maybe not. <laughs> but I do enjoy the different seasons. Let me just cue up my notes here. So I consider myself as a follower of Jesus. So what does that mean? That means that I try to live my life according to what Jesus taught, which is recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels in the New Testament there. And I trust what he says is true. So I follow, try to follow with my life, with my actions, with everything I do, that I have my faith is in him, trust in him. Now, how did that come about for me? Well, it wasn't, for me, I needed to really, it had to be real. Because if it's not real, I wasn't interested in just going to church or religion, put it that way. Because I grew up in the church, and I, in my teen years, and teen years are always challenging years, right? And uh, I just, it, it wasn't cutting it for me. It just wasn't doing it. And I knew deep down what it was I was looking for was, things got to be real. And what happened was, I encountered Jesus, I, I wasn't looking for Jesus, but Jesus was looking for me, and I encountered, I encountered him. But what, the, what was key for me is that I knew that I was loved by God. I knew that. And it wasn't because I had done anything. It wasn't because I had, you know, gone to church. It wasn't because, uh, you know, God helped me. I needed to be put on the right track because I was on the, going down the wrong road. It wasn't anything like that. God simply invaded my space to let me know that he loved me. And that, that was sort of like it sealed the deal for me. At that point, it was like, you got me for life. Now, I didn't say that then, but as I look back, I go, yeah, that's what was going on for me. It was, I'm in. I'm in lock, stock, and barrel. And following Jesus has now turned into a friendship, like a, a dear friendship for me, like no other. And now I say this carefully, um, but there is nothing that I would trade for that friendship. And I say it carefully because I remember what happened to Peter when he said, I'll never deny you. <laughs> and we say things sometimes, we just don't know what's coming down the pipe sometimes, but I've never experienced a friendship like the friendship I have with Jesus. And over the four decades that I have walked with Jesus, what I talk about, what I come back to you, 
is that Jesus is for you. We sang something about similar to that, that Jesus fights for us, that Jesus is with us. And there's this sense that Jesus is, it's not a sense, it's a truth that Jesus is for you. There is no one else on planet earth that is looking out for the best for your life that wants to give you a re- real life that we're all looking for. Because there's always that one big question, the meaning of life, what is it? And Jesus gives us that meaning. Jesus gives us that meaning. God knows your life. God knows the joys you have. God knows the dreams you have. God knows the dreams you had, and they haven't come to fruition. God knows what makes your heart just get lifted up, filled up. God knows that, but God also knows when your heart has been wounded. God knows those woundings that you carry. Uh, God knows everything about you, and God loves you, walks with you, is always that faithful friend. And in these past 18 months, because that's how long it's been since the, we, we began doing the lockdown thing and with the pandemic and that, it's, it's been hard. That's just, for me, it's just been simply hard. And it's been hard, I know, for everybody. But how people have experienced that depends on various factors. And, uh, and for me, there's been like, I, I said, I've said this to a few people. It's like there's this low-level anxiety that's just sort of humming in the background. It's just there. And every now and then, you just, you, you hear it. And it's just like, yeah, it's still there. And... Uh, I've been, you know, over, over these 18 months, been concerned for you, for our church. And in, when I say about that, I'm talking particularly about my prayer is that I hope the following Jesus isn't just about coming to church on a Sunday. I hope that through this time, that when, when you've had to do it online, that there's been a deepening in your relationship that you've had with Jesus. Because I, I, I know it's been, it's been hard. And at times for me, it, it has felt like there's been this, like this, this permanent crack in the world, in our world. And, uh, and, and you know what? I, I know that there's always been a crack in our world. It's always been there. But usually the pain or that frustration is over there somewhere. It's, it's, it's in that other, the other country, those people are experiencing, we get to pray for them and you hear the different news stories, but this virus, it doesn't know borders, doesn't know political borders or geographical borders. And what I've experienced is it's upset my life. That's the truth, right? And it's upset it because I've had it so good. Like, we have a pretty good here in Canada. We really do. Most people, right? We have a pretty good. But what I've realized, too, is that in spite of it all, God is for me. God's been with me. As I've cried out to him, God answers. And God is for you as well. You need to know that. Now, one of the things we, most of us, observed during this 18 months is that when it started, people were pretty good, pretty good. Eh? We, we, we were pretty good. Yeah, I remember running down some of the streets, you know, when I'd be on my runs and you'd see signs and lawns that say, we're in this together. You know, the sun will come out tomorrow. Remember that sign, you know, thanks for the frontline workers. You saw all these. And, and it was like, 
Thumbs up, yep, let's link arms, we're in this together, we'll get through this. And in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, yeah, give it two, three weeks and we'll be through this, right? But then as weeks turned into, you know, a month, two months, six months, like a year, things changed, right? You know, we became a bit cranky, um, a bit frustrated, right? Behaving in ways we wouldn't ordinarily behave in and saying things we wouldn't ordinarily say to people, to one another sometimes, and posting things that we wouldn't ordinarily post on social media. We did that. And, uh, and you know, I've, I've wondered about that. And you know what I think, if you could dig down deep to find out why, why that happened, you know what I think it is? I think it's because we're afraid. That's what I think. I think we're afraid. If you're a parent or an aunt or an uncle and you have the little child that's in front of you, that little infant or toddler that's in front of you, if they get, if they're frightened, and I'm sure you, you've seen it where they, they get frightened and they're, they'll be crying. And you know, you know there's that cry that toddlers can do where they're crying so much they shudder. <laughs> you know, it's a, a real, you really feel pity for them, right? Because, you know, it's coming right from the pit of their being, this shuddering, this sobbing, uh, you know, whatever has frightened them. And sometimes the best thing you can do is what? Just hold them. <laughs> sometimes that's the best thing. Or you look at them and you, you look at them in the face and you tell them it's going to be okay. That's what you see parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles doing, right? They take them in their arms and it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay going to be okay. Best thing for them, it calms them down. It, you pull them back from the edge, right? Because for them, their life is just like, it's gone off the rails a little bit for them. And for us, Jesus knows that we've been agitated at, at times. We've been nervous at times. We've been afraid at times. And Jesus wants us to look at him And to hear him say, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. His disciples, the 12 guys, and also the followers that were with him, they were afraid at times, especially near the end where his, the ministry seemed to be unraveling right before their eyes and the tension between the religious leaders and, and Jesus just was just like taut as anything. It was thick. The tension was thick. And what did Jesus do? And if you're reading, especially in John's gospel, he captures it well, but all the gospels capture it. Jesus takes his disciples, his followers, into a private room where there he washes their feet. He breaks bread with them. And he shares some of his deepest words. He looks them in the face and says, it's going to be okay. In John's gospel, It's Jesus saying these words to him. He's saying like, guys, listen to me. Listen. There's one thing you need to be doing. One thing. Love one another. Love one another. He tells them later on in in the 14th chapter, don't let your hearts be troubled. 
It's a good word for us. Don't let your hearts be troubled. He says, trust in God, trust also in me. It's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. In John's, if so if you read John 13, 14, 15, 16, it all ties together. It's this talk. It's Jesus pulling us in and saying it's gonna be okay. And at the end of chapter 16, Jesus says these words here. He says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Because remember, the world is unraveling in front of their face. And he says, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Do you hear him? You hear what he's saying? I have overcome this. I have overcome. And he's saying, he's, he's looking at you, looking at me, and he's saying, Scott, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And so Jesus calls to us who are angry, frustrated, you know, uh, despairing. And he says, come, be with me. Come, come sit with me. And you hear this, you, if you observe the Gospels, you see this over and over again, Jesus having to pull people back from the edge to seeing the fear in them and having to bring comfort and security to them. Because there's a peace that Jesus brings, not just his words, but Jesus' presence brings into one's life. The one story I want to uh, just quickly relate is the one it's found in Luke's gospel and it says these words here as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught but Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing she came to Jesus and said Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. Can you feel the tension in that room? It would have been tense. It would have been very awkward as Jesus, right? Because here's two sisters and one's angry at the other one and you can just sense that feeling of frustration coming out of Martha. I know for myself, sometimes, and lately, it has felt like I got all these plates having to spin, right, and keep them going, and you can feel overwhelmed by it all, right? And you don't know how to balance all this stuff. And you're convinced these are all important things I got to do. I got to keep this going, right? I got to keep it, keep everything spinning. And that'll come out, it'll show in your words and actions and what you're seeing there in Martha is you're seeing how the frustration there because she feels she has to be busy, busy, busy doing these things that it's all up to her to make this all happen. And it's not, it's not. She's missing the point. When I get frustrated or overwhelmed, I'm missing the point. Now I want you to notice Jesus' response here. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over 
all these details, but there is only one thing worth being concerned about, and Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. There's only one thing that Jesus says to me, says to you, says to the world. You may be watching this or listening to this and you're not even a follower of Jesus. You're just checking us out. And I want you to know that Jesus says in all the noise in the world, there's only one thing that you need to be concerned about. And you got to ask, what is that one thing? Now, I need you to hear me now on this point here. The effects of this virus have separated us in more ways than one. What it has done, we are living in our own little worlds. We haven't been interacting with one another as much as we normally would. We've been dialoguing through emails, through social media a lot. That has increased. But as a result of that, we don't get to hear one another. And by that, I mean we're not hearing the tone of voice. We're not actually being able to take time to listen, to ask clarifying questions, right? And to listen to one another. We don't get to see body language. These things, they have an effect on us, right? Because we can't see, cover half the face we can't see. We can't see the lips moving, And who would have thought that we need to see the lips moving? But apparently we do because it helps. And that has, there's been this, what's taken place is you see, there's a a silent barrier that's come up between us that has separated us. And, you know, there's been opinions and perspectives shared, but we haven't been able to be with each other and to, for clarification to come. And what's happened is there's been this fear that has just crept up. And you see it in our actions. You see it by our words. There's this fear that we have. And, you know, I've, I've, since coming back from my sabbatical, I have prayed and prayed for us. I spent quite a bit of time in September just taking time every day to pray. A few weeks back, two or three weeks ago, I sent out a letter explaining where the senior leadership team was and believed that the direction we should be heading in. And after I had sent the letter, I continued to be praying and just asking the Lord, you know, to continue to guide us. And as I was praying, and it was just shortly after I sent out the letter, it was almost one of those things where you wish you could take the letter back, right? Not that I had said anything that I shouldn't have said, but it's just what I was sensing from God, what I was hearing from God is this. You guys have actually experienced a fracture that has taken place. People have, families have, communities have, workplaces have experienced a fracture And I just sense the Lord saying, gather the people and let me come and heal you. Gather the people, let me come and heal you. And when I heard those words, I had this picture of a a broken bone. And I don't know if you've ever experienced a broken bone, what it feels like. Painful. (laughs) But what I saw in this picture was these two bones being brought together. 
right? Being reset. And I just sense, you know, they, you put a cast on and then there is time for healing. You have to let that arm or leg or rib or whatever, you have to let it heal. There has to be healing that comes to it. And when I saw it, I knew that we were to gather, be it online or in person, and let Jesus come and heal us. And that's what I really strongly sense. Let me come and heal you. That's what Jesus was saying to us, to give it time. And as far as time, what, I, what I'm sensing is we as a body, and I'm speaking specifically to those who, who are part of the Vineyard family, I just really sense, uh, and my sensing could be wrong at times, but I really sense that it's till the end of the year is what I sense, that we are to heal and allow Jesus to bring that healing. And that's simply acknowledging Jesus' presence, welcoming it. And just saying, Jesus, come, be with us. Be with us. We need to remember Jesus. And the reason for that is because there's no other reason the church exists. We exist. Every church, doesn't matter the denomination or whatever it looks like or how, how they worship or anything, whether they're liturgical or not, Every church exists because of Jesus. Every church is his church. So what is that one thing that Mary discovered? That one thing? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's sitting at Jesus' feet like Mary was doing and listening. Just listening, letting him come. That's the one thing that we are to be concerned about. That's what Jesus is saying. Peter reflects that in his words. There's an account there in, in, I don't know if it's just one of the gospels, but where Jesus uses language that causes people to take a few steps back away from him. He says, unless you, he uses words like, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you'll have no part from me. And people start to go, gosh, I got to leave at this point. (laughs) I got other things to do. I don't know this. I'm not sure about this guy. And Jesus, seeing people leaving, turns to his disciples and says, hey, do you guys need to go too? Are you going to leave too? And Peter says the words, where else would we go? You have the words to eternal life. There is nowhere else. Peter knew it. Peter knew the presence of Jesus. Peter knew that Jesus had the way to how to navigate life. That Jesus was life. That Jesus is our peace. Jesus is our shalom. And shalom, it's a Hebrew word that means completeness or wholeness. It's that restoration it's that joining together. It's that, it's that bringing together, that where there's fracture. And so we are going to gather to experience and to receive this shalom from Jesus. 
That's what we are going to do. Now, in, in my exuberance and zeal, I did jump ahead of the senior leadership team because I just really felt, gosh, we got to do this, right? And I, and I told some of my leaders that we would start gathering regularly on Sundays beginning November the 7th. That's tentative because senior leadership team, we work together on that. And we're gonna, we will solidify the date but we are going to come back together. And in the meantime, and I would say to you who are listening, every day invite Jesus to just sit in the presence of Jesus. And for some, that's going to be, that would be really hard to do. But I can assure you that if you do, the presence of Jesus will manifest itself to you. Just will. It just will. We are called, we're going to take time to remember him. That word remember, this is the definition. It's that it implies that a thing exists in the memory, though not actually present in the thoughts at the moment. See, we know about Jesus. It's in our memory. He's in our memory. But sometimes in our day-to-day encounters, is not present. We haven't taken that memory and brought it to the present moment. And we're going to take time in our services to allow Jesus just to be present in that moment. To remember. To remember who he is. To remember that he is the one thing we are to be concerned about. That one thing. There's a little psalm that's attributed to David that just speaks to this exactly. And it's found in Psalm 131. And David writes these words here. Lord, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. I don't concern myself with matters too great or too awesome for me to grasp. Instead, I have calmed and quieted myself like a weaned child who no longer cries for its mother's milk. Yes, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord now and always. There's only one thing we should be concerned about. Only one thing. And Jesus turned to Martha and said, Martha, Mary's discovered it. Mary's discovered it. For you, for me, there's only one thing that we need to be concerned about. And that's sitting with Jesus and letting Jesus come and heal us. I've taken the liberty to take this psalm and to turn it into a prayer for us. That we're going to pray during this season of healing. And so as I close off the teaching here, I want you to pray it with me. You can pray it silently. The words will be up. But to make that your prayer and to remember, remember during this week, 
when you face an anxious moment, and you know those times, it's, it's like your breathing changes, right? Instead of breathing deeply like we should, it's a, there's that tension even in our breathing. We don't breathe deep. That's the anxiety. When you're feeling overwhelmed, when you're feeling just everything is just out of control, when it feels like everything depends on you, and it doesn't, and it doesn't, to pray this prayer. So you can read along and pray with me. Lord, our hearts are not proud. Our eyes are not haughty. We won't concern ourselves with matters too great or too awesome for us to grasp. Instead, we will calm and quiet ourselves like a weaned child who no longer cries for its mother's milk. Yes, like a weaned child is our soul within us. Oh Lord, help us to put our hope in you now and always. Amen. Mm-hmm.